Welcome to Caregiving Club On Air. This podcast is dedicated to the millions of family caregivers who want wellness tips and self-care solutions, who seek expert advice, and who want news about healthy aging on how to fuel our bodies and our brains, and how to bring wellness design into our forever homes. I'm Sherry Snelling, a corporate gerontologist, author, TV interviewer and host, and news commentator, as well as producer of caregiving educational content. I'm joining you from Southern California, where our interviews and news take us all across the country to explore the many ways to help you on your caregiving journey and to lift you up here at Caregiving Club On Air. Welcome everybody to Caregiving Club on Air and our special Thanksgiving episode. I'm your host, Sherry Snelling, and we've got so much to share with you today that really is all about family and conversations. And I hope that this holiday season, as opposed to last holiday season, I hope you're all getting the chance to celebrate and come together in person and share all these wonderful memories that we have with our family and our friends throughout the holiday season. So we've got a great lineup for you today. First of all, we have one of my favorite people in the whole world, Donna Benton, who is both a research professor at the USC School of Gerontology, but she's also the executive director of the USC Family Caregiver Support Center. And Donna's going to talk to us about how do we have those kind of tough, you know, conversations with particularly older parents about long-term care wishes and even end-of-life wishes. She's going to give us some tips and techniques, and we've got lots of great resources to share with you on those conversations. And then we're going to have another great friend, Mark Gray of Constant Companion. And Mark is going to kick off our holiday shopping guide for caregivers. He's going to talk about smart home technology. What are the things that are out there that can help you as you're caring for older parents? And even some things you may want to consider for yourself. But more importantly, Mark is actually going to tell us how do we make sure that these smart home systems have the highest level of cybersecurity? Because we know that, you know, privacy and hacking and all these other issues that we've been hearing about with smart home technology, what are the things that we can do to make these systems as cyber safe as possible? So that's going to be a really great segment. Stick with us through that. And then, of course, as always, we're going to end our episode with our Me Time Monday wellness hack. And our wellness hack for this episode is our recipe for gratitude gravy. So that's a little bit of food for the soul. And we hope you stick with us to listen to that wellness hack that we have at the very end. And, you know, I just want to do a shout out because it is the holiday season and it's Thanksgiving and we're sharing our blessings and what we're grateful for. I want to say that, first of all, we are grateful to all of our listeners and all of you who have subscribed to our podcast. Thank you so much. And please tell a friend, but we're also grateful and want to acknowledge the family caregivers who are day in, day out, providing loving care to a family member or even a friend. And we just want to say thank you to you, the family caregivers, and our heartfelt blessings go out to you and your family for a season of health and happiness and joy and coming together. So with that, let's dig into our caregiver wellness news. Before we bring you our caregiver wellness news, I just want to give you a reminder that as one of our loyal listeners, you get a 20% discount 
off of any purchase from Blue Star Senior Tech using our code CARE20. Go check out all the wonderful things they have to help caregivers, caring for older loved ones, things like solutions to stop fires in the home, medic alerts, medication reminders, closed caption phones, fitness trackers, you name it, they've got it. So use our code CARE20, that's C-A-R-E, 20. And not only will you get a 20% discount of all of your purchases, but your purchases go to help veterans organizations. So that's bluestarseniortech.com care 20. For our Caregiver Wellness News today, we're going to be focusing, of course, on conversations. And I want to start with letting people know that some of the tips and insights that we can give to caregivers to help is, you know, we get the question all the time, when is the best time to start these conversations about long-term care? And the answer is really what we call the 40-70 rule. So that means that if you're a caregiver who is age 40, or if your loved one is age 70, you should be starting to have these conversations. And, you know, a lot of people push back and say, yes, but, you know, everybody's healthy. We don't know what it's going to be. You know, who knows when, where, what? And the answer to that is that's exactly why you want to have the conversation now when everybody can participate, when you can find the time to sit quietly and patiently with your mom, dad, grandparents, whoever it is that you might be caring for and learn what their wishes are, learn what the plans are that are in place. In fact, I wrote about this in my book, A Cast of Caregivers, and I'm going to post an excerpt from my book on the episode guide page, but I call it the CARE Conversation, C-A-R-E. And that formula is basically the C is just creating the conversation. What are the tips that help us kind of jumpstart these conversations? How do we do it? The A in care is ask a lot of questions and then acknowledge your loved one's wishes. I think that's really, really important for us. You know, so often we're trying to solve problems. And so we bring a lot of our own wishes and desires into this, but we really have to acknowledge that this is about our loved ones and what they want. And we just have to be a really good care partner and advocate for them. The R in the care conversation formula is review all the legal documentation that might be in place, for instance, a living will, durable power of attorney, you know, any kind of do not intubate, do not resuscitate, know those types of things and what is in place and what's not. Um, but also the financial side of that, review the financial plans. You know, so often families are caught off guard by what the costs of care are today. And this is why we see a lot of personal bankruptcies over medical care costs and long-term care costs. So it's really important. And then the E, the final part of that formula is to engage the whole family. And if you can't engage everybody like your siblings, or if you have a blended family or whomever, then at least educate all the members in the family that might need to know. That way you're going to avoid a lot of those emotional conflicts and different things that can happen between families later on. So check out our episode guide page. I'll have that article posted for you. I also will post another article that I wrote about for PBS Next Avenue. And it was the difference in having the conversation with mom versus dad. You know, there are little nuances to the language that we use. And I think it's really fascinating. And, you know, we we probably paint some, some stereotypes in terms of dads versus moms, but I think it'll give you some great insights as to what will help you in terms of caring for your parents and 
what is the difference maybe between dad and between mom? So you can check out that article as well. Now, I also want to mention, if you're really interested in learning all of these tips and techniques and the details, some of it's going to be in the articles, but please join us for a webinar that I'm doing for Comfort Keepers, and they are co-hosting a webinar on the care conversation and all these things I've been talking about, but we're really going to get into the details and the tips and how to do this and what to think about, and it's going to be a really great session. So that webinar is going to be on November 30th. It's free to everybody out there, so if you don't happen to feel like you need it right now, but you know a friend who might be caregiving, share this with them. I'll have the link to where you can register on our episode guide page. And then for those of you caring for a loved one with Alzheimer's disease, which is a lot of the work I do is in the dementia community, the University of California at San Francisco, again, really great resource for dementia caregivers. They did a series of videos and I find the videos are really engaging, almost sometimes a little bit easier than reading about things, but they did a series of videos called Conversations with Caregivers. And these are actual caregivers telling you what to expect, some of the nuances and the tips and the things they found that really helped. And there's a variety of different videos that you can watch. So it's a really great resource. We'll have, again, links on our episode guide page. And then we know that there's more than just talking to older parents. There's talking to our siblings, talking to our spouse or partners, our kids, our bosses and coworkers, even our loved one's doctor. So there's a lot of conversations that you'll be having as a caregiver, and we're going to have a lot of different really great resource links. And Donna Benton in, in a couple of minutes is also going to tell you a little bit about some of those different conversations that you'll be having. And then I just want to do a couple other shout outs. First of all, for those of you who are helping a loved one who's over the age of 65, Medicare open enrollment season is right now, and it ends on December 7th. So that's that's the deadline to make any changes to your loved one's Medicare benefits, and they change every year. So if you're not familiar with what their Medicare plan is, you may want to have that conversation right now and maybe help them navigate. Do they have the right plan in place? What are your choices? We'll have all those different great resource links on the episode guide page. And then I want to do a little bit of pop culture. As, we, as always, we always focus on books or movies, and I want to do a shout out on a couple of things happening. First of all, there's a really great movie that you can stream or also you can rent or buy the DVD and it's called It's Not a Burden, The Humor and Heartache of Raising Elderly Parents. And it is a really great, wonderful documentary done with actual caregivers and their older parents, including the filmmaker Michelle Boyner. And it's really, it does have a lot of humor in it. And I think it's a, one of those documentaries that I would really say, this is one that you could sit down with your older parents or grandparents and watch. And it might help spark some of these conversations if you haven't had it already, because it gives both sides of what's going on and, and what's happening. So it's a really great resource. Check it out for the holidays. Might be one you want to put on your list. And then finally, we mentioned in episode one of our podcast, Tony Bennett, who has Alzheimer's disease. We have a link on that episode guide page to his interview with 60 Minutes, but Tony Bennett and Lady Gaga are going to do a benefit concert. It is called One Last Time, and it's going to air on CBS on November 28th at 8 p.m. Eastern. Again, might be something you want to check out as a family, and then that might be able to spark some conversations around those long-term care and end-of-life wishes. So with that, 
we're going to go to our interview with Donna Benton. I am so excited to welcome our next guest. She is such a wonderful person and has been a colleague, but also she was my professor when I went back to the Leonard Davis School of Gerontology at USC to get my master's in gerontology. So I want to welcome today Donna Benton, who is both, as I mentioned, an associate professor at the Davis School of Gerontology at USC, but also runs the USC Family Caregiver Support Center. So Donna, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. It's just so good. I forgot that you were in my class. I It was one of my favorite classes too. I'm, well, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> and I think some of the things maybe you're going to share with us today, I recall from your class. So I'm, I'm stealing a little bit of what I learned from you. But first of all, before we launch into kind of our topic for today, obviously, I think we know where you're talking to us from. We always ask all our guests, where are you right now? What what part of LA are you in? Well, this is going to come as a surprise, but I'm not in LA. Oh, okay. <laughs> are you at leading are you at leading age or <laughs> No, I no, I'm I, well, obviously I live in LA, but I'm on vacation, but for you, I am here today and so I'm actually in Sedona. Arizona. Oh, beautiful. Well, I have to say, I feel very grateful that you've made time on your vacation to do this. I, I promise we'll keep it short and sweet. I, I'm sure it's beautiful in Sedona right now too, right? It is. Yeah. It's not raining like LA. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We had, we had a lot of rain yesterday. So Donna, tell us a little bit about the work that you're doing and have been doing for many, many years with the USC Family Caregiver Support Center. Okay. The USC Family Caregiver Support Center is a not-for-profit on the campus of the University of Southern California. And we have two contracts with the state and the county. And so the contract that most people recognize is the LA Caregiver Resource Center. And that's been in existence for going on, I think we're on our 34th year now. And we're part of a statewide system of family caregiver resource centers of which there are 11 in California. We're the, obviously one of the largest because we, we cover all of LA County and we provide comprehensive services for family caregivers. So the person we're helping is the caregiver so that they can help the person who might have dementia, who might have multiple medical problems, but we wanna be that support for the family caregiver. And what does that support mean for us? It means that you get one-on-one -on -one time with what we call our family consultants. That's our primary thing that we do, is we take time to individually get to know the caregiver, their caring situation, and then we stay with you throughout your care journey so that maybe at some time you may just say, oh, you know, I, I need some education around, you know, what's dementia, or maybe they want to know where to get a good diagnosis, or they may say, you know, I'm really getting a little tired. Is there a way that I could get some respite, which is being able to take a break? And so they work and they talk with their family consultant throughout their caregiving journey. And that way, each time you can find out what you need. So if you need respite, maybe you need some legal advice. And so we make sure that you get to the right elder law attorneys, or you might need um, a little more information about, gee, I heard something about the Build Back Better program, or right now I'm working and I want to take some hours off. Can I do that? How can I do that? So you may want to understand work family laws. So we're just there to support the family caregiver while they're caring for somebody who has either dementia or chronic 
health condition that occurred after the age of 18. Okay. And I I love that because I think that so often as you and I both know, when you become a caregiver, the focus really goes on the person needing the care. And even the questions from family and friends are, you know, how is your dad doing or how is your mom doing or whatever? And it's very rarely about how are you doing? And you really focus on that. And you also, again, you, I love the continuity because things do change over our caregiving journeys. And we have different needs along that journey. So it's such a valuable resource. And I know that you've been both a leading voice and really champion for caregivers, not just in Los Angeles or California, but really across the nation. And tell us just a little bit, because I think that LA really has a reputation for having best practices and really being looked at as programs that are very innovative within caregiving across the country. Yeah. I mean, I think what's exciting is that because California was the first to have these caregiver resource centers, and of course with LA, our center has specifically focused on being innovative in terms of, we started the online programs just before COVID, which was good. We had already, we had already begun to have our support groups and our education programs, and even how you talk to your family consultant. Uh, We had already been using the telehealth portal. And so anyone can get to us, you know, that allows for a 24 hour access. But it also means that when you start just by answering a few questions, when you just go to our website and you start, you can begin to already get information and resources without even before you talk to us personally. But at some point, you're going to talk to us personally. We're really proud of the fact that we are able to bring what are called evidence-based interventions to family caregivers. And so what that means in real world language is that if we provide a program, say we have something called powerful tools for caregivers, it means that it's been tested and shown to help you like for caregivers, it helps with depression. It helps increase your self-confidence. It helps with learning how to take care of yourself and with family communications. And it really does make a difference when you take this eight week course. And so one of the things that um, out of LA is that we really emphasize providing programs that we know will make an impact and that you can take whatever you learn from us and apply it to a lot of aspects of your life, not just your caregiving. Because that's sometimes, you know, you think, oh, I've been caregiving for seven, eight years. What have I learned? You learned a lot. Yes. (laughs) right. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Caregivers are, they bring a lot of new tools and new skills to the workplace and everywhere else, to families and everything. So that's wonderful. And I know that program, Powerful Tools for Caregivers, is really one that's been around for a long time and is very, very good. To bring it to California. Wow, that's wonderful. So, you know, we're talking this week because it is actually the week that we're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving. Hopefully most of us will be with family and friends. It's a great time to start talking about the conversations that we want to have in families around long-term care and maybe even end of life. And yet these are the conversations we rarely have. You know, we wait for the crisis to happen. What would your advice and what experience have you seen with the caregivers that you're helping to support in terms of why should we be starting these conversations earlier and when should we start these conversations? Well, you always ask such great questions. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) There's, There's no real formula, but I always say you can't start too early, but there's a whole thing called like preparing to care. 
And you know, like if we when we think about childcare or if we're going to start a family, there's just tons of information out there. And we know you can pick up books and people start reading about, oh, what is it going to be like for you know this stage and that stage? But we don't necessarily do that for as we get older. We don't think about our own aging process. But generally, we all want to live longer. So at some point, we probably are going to do some level of care. I think that the fear we have is that the care is just going to be so dramatic that it's just like you go from being independent to you can't get out of bed. But that's not really what happens with care. It's usually something very gradual. You may start by checking in on your relative more often. Maybe you're helping around the house or you're doing grocery shopping or occasionally going to the doctor's visits. Well, that's early stage caregiving, but we never call it that. We're just helping mom or dad just get to an appointment or helping sometimes with their bills. But when we start doing that, that's when you're starting to do caregiving. And that's when those conversations about, well, if you can't sign the checks anymore, like right now you're signing checks and I'm just helping you line them up. But what if something happens and you're disabled for a couple of months, maybe longer? How do you want those checks signed? Have you thought about if you need somebody a little extra? Because you know the house, it's getting hard for you to clean regularly. Have you thought about if we could have somebody come in? And do we have that? You can begin conversations around what kind of insurance your relative has. Are they on Medicare? Are they on Medi-Cal? We don't usually talk about health insurance. We just assume, like, do you understand what does Medicare pay and what does Medi-Cal pay? And then where are the gaps? Now, these conversations, you're talking, you know, this is Thanksgiving week. And I always say it's probably not the best to start this on Thanksgiving dinner. Right. We just we don't want these conversations around Thanksgiving dinner. Let's just kind right. of relax and not because we know it's going to be tense. Okay. Right. Yeah. That would be that would be a stopper of all conversations, right? It's like, okay. Hey, what do you want to do? Do what nursing home would you like to go to? Right. Which is most people aren't going to be going to. So we know that. Right. But <laughs> we don't want to have that conversation. So I always say these conversations should usually kind of evolve more naturally. Maybe you read an article or you see something, or you're starting to think, it's like, you know, every time I have to redo my health insurance, I always think, you know, I need to talk to my daughter about my health insurance so that she understands like, oh, this is kind of my health insurance. So you can have conversations that maybe you're doing your health, or you're thinking about, oh, I want to know what are some of mom's favorite things if she, you know, who would she want to come into the house or who does she expect to help her with driving and cooking and all of those things? So kind of have them as more natural conversations and don't feel like you have to, you're not going to make all the decisions at one time. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be a, a long roadway or long journey on caregiving and all the decisions that go into it. So tell us about five wishes. <laughs> yeah. Five wishes. So I was thinking you start it when you're healthy and like now there's something called five wishes. And I like that five wishes because it talks about what are the five things that you would want if you aren't able to care for yourself and what are important for your health and well-being? And it's good for a conversation starter. So you can get that. You can just put in five wishes for health and it's free on the internet. It's just like this two page or four page document, but it's really more of like, you can have conversations around it. There are also other things like prepare to care from ARP, and that also great conversation starters. So that's what I would say. 
I love those resources and we'll put a link on our episode page to those. I have to tell you the five wishes. I actually did one for myself and I shared it with my family and, you know, some are younger, some are older, but you're right. It's such a wonderful document about just that, that dignity that you're looking for at end of life. And it's a taboo subject, you know, none of us really want to talk about that, but it's important that we have that information. You know, speaking of the holidays and families, now we know that there may be some disagreements, let's say, within families, maybe, you know, certain siblings. I know you've seen a lot of this where, you know, you might be the primary caregiver for mom or dad, but then you have siblings and maybe they don't agree with some of the decisions and, or we have blended families. You know, I'm thinking about the Casey Kasem case from a few years ago where he had older children from his first wife and then he had his second wife and a younger child and there was a lot of conflict. How do you counsel family caregivers when they're facing some of those headwinds and conflict in trying to care for their loved one, but they're getting pushed back or challenged? Well, this is where we say you having a family meeting is really important. And we actually have steps for a family meeting on our website and you can go and download like how to hold a family meeting. And I think that that's real important. And so part of the thing is when you're coming together as a family, the conflict, what if you can all agree that your main goal is how you want the best care for your relative and then all the other personal things have to go aside. We know that they're going to be the favorites and there's this and that. But if we say this meeting is going to be about how we want to care for that person, you know, the day-to-day care, then that helps the focus and can help with some of the disagreements. Because some of those disagreements or grievances come from old things that we're not going to solve. You know, but if we all agree that we have to get mom safely to her doctor's appointments, we have to make sure that the house is clean, that mom stays clean, that there's food in the house, stick to the care topics and know that everybody is going to contribute in a different way. Now, that's the other thing is sometimes you may say, well, I'm doing everything. You aren't coming over and you're not doing the lifting. But maybe the other person say, well, you're going to be responsible for one meal a week. Another person may be better at organizing. So, okay, then you're going to make all the appointments. Another person may be the one who says, okay, it's hard for me to see dad in this condition. How about if you you promise to call three times a week or two times a week and just talk about baseball, what he loved. He loved to talk about baseball. You, you guys just talk and that's all. And you give me an hour break because I know that you can talk to dad for an hour on the phone or a half hour. And so everybody's going to contribute in a different way. And they don't necessarily have to be in the house. They can be long distance. And it's very important to include the people that you think are the difficult people, because if you don't, they're going to keep coming back as difficult people. So everyone should at least have some say And then there'll always be a final decision maker. But if we're all agreeing to it's we're going to focus on the care that helps some of the tension. And then there's some more specific points that you can get out of the how to hold difficult conversations. And I love that. That's a great resource. And I think you're right. I think it's kind of forming a care team. And it doesn't mean that, okay, you take the morning shift and I'll take the, the evening shift. It's more about the different roles and all of it's necessary and really needed. And the family conversation, I think if the Casey Kasem family, if he was able to tell all of his loved ones, this is what I want, that probably would have 
managed a lot of the conflict that we saw. So as we end up here with our conversation, you started by talking about let's support the caregivers. And that's really the focus of what you do with the center. So the holidays are hard, right? I mean, it's a, it's an emotional time for many of us. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of things that are going on. Maybe if we're long distance, we won't even get to see our loved ones and everything that's still happening with the coronavirus pandemic and the different you know, strains and variants are keeping us still maybe a little distanced. How do you advise caregivers how to get past some of those feelings, whether it's sadness or depression or anxiety or stress and, and find joy in the season? Wonderful. First of all, like, you know, when you were talking about all of those, a lot of the emotions come out of a sense of guilt for not doing things the way we used to. And I think the first way to begin to have that joy is to realize that it's okay to make new traditions. So if you want to have joy, sometimes we have to let go of the old and accept some of that new tradition and then enjoy that new tradition. I think, you know, one of the things that I noticed during what we still have a little bit of the pandemic, people learned for a while, you know, it's like, how are we going to celebrate a birthday or a holiday? And I was amazed at the creativity people began to have. You know, not everybody joined Zoom, but they learned to do drive-by birthday parties where they would have decorated the car and they're beeping and there's just, and you drove by and the person sat outside and everything is safe and everyone hollered happy birthday. And that became a, a tradition. We had to do that for almost two years for some, for certain celebrations. You'd learn to send back to the old gift baskets with extra pictures and being able to share for maybe somebody who didn't want to go online, learning to talk to neighbors, to reconnect and and kind of talk over the fence because being outside was a little safer. And, you know, so part of that is the new traditions. I would say that during the holidays, it's also important for the caregiver during this time to realize that we may have to say no to some things if it's going to really exhaust you. Because then you aren't going to get any joy. The person you're caring for isn't going to enjoy the time. So cutting back, knowing that it's all right to order a meal um, if you have to. Or, you know, I'm enjoying turkey sandwiches as opposed to a giant turkey. Right. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Because really, it's the sandwich the next day that's actually tastes better than the full turkey, to be honest, for me. I was going to say, I love the sandwiches the next day. (laughs) And the pumpkin pie. So, you know, I I didn't need all of that traditions. But so it's, it's accepting your new traditions, being thankful that you're able to live in your value. And your value is the care that you're giving your relative. You're doing the best you can with the resources you have today and with the knowledge that you have today. So sometimes it's learning to to remind ourselves that we are coming from that place of love and giving and that you're doing the best and being able to reach out to others when you feel exhausted, learning to say, I need help, will help you with some of that energy and joy. Because if you don't sleep or eat properly, you are going to be sicker than the person you're caring for. You're going to be grumpy and all the things that you don't want to be will be there because Physically, emotionally, we have to have breaks. You can't do the 24-7 routine because this is no longer, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And so like with any marathon, you have to pace yourself. Right. And I love the idea of creating new traditions because you really take something that could, as you said, have sadness to it, that we're not doing the same things, but 
you put a fresh coat of paint on it, right? And everybody feels better when you walk into a room with a fresh coat of paint. And so you kind of just flip, flip that and make it a happy thought, make it something new. And then I, again, I also love the, the gratitude, you know, you're already giving a gift every day to your loved one, which is called caregiving and care. And you also want to give a gift to yourself, which is getting that, that break and that help and accepting that. So I love that as a way for us to unfortunately end our conversation. We could talk for hours, but I want to let you get back to your vacation because it sounds fantastic. (laughs) So Donna, I just, again, I, I'm grateful to you for the gifts that you gave me when I was a student, but also as just being a a wonderful colleague and and doing this interview with us today. So thank you so much. I am always grateful for you and I, you know, that you've been able to reach back out to me and it's just good to see that. I mean, you have the caregiving club, which is wonderful. Can I give the phone number for, or is this not a good time for that? Oh no, go ahead. No, please give that to our listeners. Yes. So if you're going to reach us in USC and we'll, it's 1-800-540-4444. And I know that you'll put our website on there, fcsc.usc.edu will go onto your page. So I always like to give the phone number because we like to talk to people. I was going to say, I love talking to people too. I, you know, too many emails during the day, but we will have all of that on our, our page. So again, Donna, you are a blessing in my life and I just want to thank you. I'm grateful for you and thank you for being with us on this special Thanksgiving episode. (laughs) Thank you. Welcome everybody to our wellness home design segment. And as you know, we don't just focus on wellness for our body and our emotional health. We focus on the wellness in our home environments that can help us be healthier and happier. So in this segment, because we're focusing on Thanksgiving and holidays and families coming together, I wanted to give you three things. First of all, visitability. That's the word and the term that we use in gerontology to talk about whether or not your home is safe and accessible and has the right accommodations for somebody who is a little bit older and might have certain maybe physical or other limitations. So we're going to have an article on our episode guide page that talks about what are the tips for visitability. If your parent or grandparent is coming to visit, what can you do that wouldn't be a permanent change, but could be a quick modification, something that you put up just you know, for that time that they're there, like portable grab bars, like maybe renting a ramp if they're needing a wheelchair or easy access to not have to step up the stairs, different things like that. So check out that article on our episode three guide page on our website, caregivingclub.com. The second thing is we're going to also talk about Sense and Sensibility, which is actually a chapter out of my book, A Cast for Caregivers. And it's all about the sense of the season. And, you know, we know that sense is a very powerful way to create memories and to tap into the memories of, you know, Thanksgiving's past. But I'm going to talk a little bit about what are the sense that help both our older loved ones, as well as us as caregivers, to have more health and wellness, but also to create those memories. And also, what are some of the food recipes that we need to think about? Because, of course, our sense of smell and our sense of taste changes as we age. And I'm going to do a little nod and shout out to Julia Child. And there's a really great little piece of that article for a fantastic hors d'oeuvre that is so easy. You won't believe it. It's just something you can go buy at the store. So check out that article on our episode page. And then finally, we have our holiday gift guide. 
We've got a lot of great things. We chose some of our favorite things for older loved ones, but also some of our favorite things for caregivers and tapping into your own wellness needs because we find that is the most important thing. I also found a really great resource when I was doing my research and it's called This Caring Home. It's kind of like a consumer reports for all different kinds of things. And there's pros and cons on a variety of different products and things that you can buy for your older loved ones. So we're going to have a link to that really wonderful site. And then I want to do a shout out to one of my favorite HGTV shows, Hometown, which stars Ben and Aaron Napier. I just love them. And I'm sure you guys do too, if you've ever watched that show. And there was a recent episode that I just, it just touched my heart. It was about a quilt that they had handmade for someone that they were helping redesign. She had recently lost her husband and they took some of his letters and they had them hand embroidered on this quilt that she would wrap up in at night or when watching TV and still have him around her. And I just thought that was the most beautiful thing that you could do. So I'm going to have a link to that source for getting those quilts made. May not be in time for the holidays, but you know, it's a great gift to give to anybody, a caregiver, an older loved one. We'll also have, as I said, the rest of our holiday guides. And with that, uh, we're going to turn to our next interview with Mark Gray, CEO of Constant Companion. He's got some really great holiday gift tips on how do we think about smart home technology? What are the good things out there to help our older loved ones? And how do we all stay cyber safe? We're heading into the holiday season and we're thinking about maybe what kind of gifts that we can get, particularly for our older parents who may be still living at home. And our next guest is an absolute expert in the smart home technology space. I'm so excited to have him here. He's also a dear friend and a colleague, and I'll just throw that out there, but he's going to tell us all about what to think about smart home systems, particularly for our older loved ones at home. And with that, I'm going to welcome Mark Gray, the CEO and founder of Constant Companion. Mark, welcome to Caregiving Club on Air. Hey, sure. Good to see you again. Thanks for having me. It's great to see you. So the first thing we always ask all of our guests is, where are we talking to you from today? Where are you guys headquartered? Well, we're located in Sarasota, Florida, part of the Tampa Bay Gulf Coast of Florida. Beautiful state of Florida. <laughs> I bet, and I bet it's gorgeous there today, as always, right? This time of year is really, really fantastic. We get lots of people who come here for the winter from all over the world, and a little better now than July and August, for sure. Absolutely. So Mark, you know, I kind of set it up. Smart home technology is obviously your area of expertise. Tell us a little bit about the services and products that Constant Companion provides. Sure. Well, you know, as all of us age on a journey, you know, we need a little bit more help. And, you know, there's a shortage of caregivers and and family caregivers are so busy. Many of us are what we call the sandwich generation, you know, taking care of mom and dad and kids growing up. So smart home does can do a lot. And now you're never going to replace human caregivers, but we can do with a little bit of automation, a little bit of technology, just a ton so that people can remain more independent. And we hear the expression, you know, aging in place. I'm not a big fan of that. I'm a, Me neither. <laughs> I'm a big fan of thriving in place. I want to have a life that's joyful, a life that's, that's, that's the stuff that I want to be doing. So everything from communications, uh, keeping people more mentally engaged, as well as connected to friends and family, and also security, protection 24-7. So as we get a little bit more vulnerable, you know, we have we have someone there to, to take care of us, so we're protected. Well, and, you know, I love the fact that you brought up the sandwich generation because you're right. I mean, often sometimes we're thinking about a lot of the smart home technology for ourselves and maybe our younger 
family members, but we don't often think about it for our older loved ones. What what are some of the the barriers that you've seen in having older adults bring this technology into their home? And but also what are the benefits? Give us both sides. Sure. You know, at first, I think that one of the misconceptions about technology of any type with with seniors and older adults and, and all of us as we get older or will be in that group is that older adults cannot use technology. And that's that's not true. Older adults can use any of the smart home technology that's out there and it's quite easy to use. But all they really need is a little bit of coaching. You know, our number one power user age wise is 100 and one years young, and one of our power users that uses voice technology to automate their entire home from turning lights off and on in the morning and evening to turning on television, changing channel, volume up and down, locking and unlocking their front door, and even being able to see who's at the door to make sure it's who they say they are is about using the voice technology about 72 times per day on average with little simple voice commands. And he's in his mid eighties and see, he loves it. He just like, now he's bed bound, but he has a caregiver that comes in to check on him and, you know, meals and things like that. But he's, he's running that house. He's, he's in charge. You know, it sort of gives us a feeling of empowerment that if, as, as we may have lost some of our ability to drive or do certain things, of gaining some of that power back that we're in, still in charge of our world. Look, the voice is always with us and we can we can run our world with a little tech automation. I love that. And, and you hit on something I think that is so important because as we age, you know, we, we start to lose, feel like we're losing control over a lot of things, you know, our physical health and some other issues, but having that sense of control back is really great. And, and by the way, I, I uh, am getting my system set up that I got from you guys. And one of the things I love is not having to get out of bed at night thinking, did I lock the front door? <laughs> So you're absolutely right with all of that. I think that's wonderful. And, you know, the other thing I'd love for you to just share with the audience is that you also taught me about the smart plugs, which can really turn a lot of our existing appliances into smart home technology. You know, a lot of people think, oh, I've got to go out and buy a new oven and I've got to go buy a new microwave and I've got to go. But you're saying, no, you don't have to. That's right. You can retrofit virtually any lamp appliance, your coffee maker in the kitchen, with a smart plug and you can name the smart plug to be whatever you want it to be called coffee pot or, you know, that sort of thing or bedroom lamp or whatever. And just with your voice, turn it off and on anytime. And you can create scenes. Like I get up in the morning, I say, turn on good morning, or I can just say good morning. And it turns on three lights and the coffee pot. Cause I don't want blaring lights when I'm first kind of getting going and it's instantly on. I can smell that coffee brewing and off we go. And if I tell it to turn on good night, it turns off all the lights, locks my front door and leaves one hall nightlight that I like to have on just in case you wanted to get up and you have some light. So you can customize all of that from your car. You can control your smart home with just your voice so that you walk in with the music that you like going, the lights that you like, the thermostat set to where you want it. We can even do that with geofencing. So as you pull in with your car, a, a, a sensor chip in your car, it knows that you're within five miles, does it all automatically without you even giving a voice command. So 
pretty nice to come home, not to an empty, dark house, but everything's ready just for you. Absolutely. I think I I joked with you and I said, you know, please keep me alerted to when it's actually going to cook my meals and do my laundry for me as well. Well, (laughs) there's actually folks working on that and they have that now. Now it's a little expensive because it's cutting edge, but give it a year or two. Remember when calculators first came out and they were like a hundred dollars or something. Now you can get them for five bucks. It does fancy stuff. So prices keep coming down and the technology keeps getting more developed and it's easy, super easy to use. Right. So I have to ask the big question because I know for a lot of us, and, and I think particularly for a lot of our, our older adults, the privacy and cybersecurity, you know, I've seen stuff on the news with the hacking into some of these smart home systems. Tell us about, first of all, tell us about your background because you are a cybersecurity expert. And then how, what have you done to make sure that the constant companion systems are really secure? Sure. Well, thanks for reposing that question because you did ask me that a minute ago. What are the barriers? And I, I told you some of the positives, but I didn't get into it. You hit on it just there. 100% bullseye. The number one barrier to smart home technology or adoption or people wanting to bring it in or smart speaker technology coming into the home is privacy. Privacy. You know, we all have strong feelings about living an independent life, but also we want our personal information and privacy. You know, we fought wars for those freedoms and privileges, and, and it's it's a part of America and who we are. And I think, and I don't want to name any brand names or, or start any, you know, vibrant discussions here today, but I think we have an unhealthy relationship with our technology companies today. And a lot of us are starting to learn and understand that if something is free, then we become the product. Our information and being able to market to us or you know, database search us and do things with our information sort of becomes how they make their money. So we leverage some of my background. You mentioned I used to do cybersecurity for the federal government. My clients included the White House, Department of Homeland Security, several branches of Department of Defense, and three uh, in the Intel community. So I have a deep background in building and patenting software for cybersecurity and artificial intelligence that will do some pretty interesting things. I built some things that were offensive weapons for cybersecurity. So not just keeping bad guys out, but also looking after our best interests as a country. So when I thought about this issue, about privacy, and about how could we leverage all the good things that technology can do in our lives, what what could it do for you, what could it do for my family, without having to give up a bit of our privacy, it was clear it was time to build a private cloud. So we build it with the same military-grade encryption, 256 AES, that the NSA uses or the Pentagon uses that banks use to wire money securely. So that is what we did. And we completely and totally anonymize all of our users. And they get to have the sanctity and privacy of their home and their information because it's just nobody else's business. Now we back that up because anything can be hacked. There's, I, I, I spent a lifetime proving it. 
Okay. We can break and enter just about anywhere. And so can a lot of bad guys, but we back that up with a $3 million privacy protection guarantee insured by Lloyd's of London. And what that stands for to me, Sherry, is we will never sell your information to marketers and advertisers. We will not sell you out is what I'm trying to tell you. We work for you. We work for clients who would like to have smart home technology and some automation and to be connected and protected and engaged 24-7, but without having to give up their privacy to, to get that. So that's what we do. That's been our mission from day one, and it's become quite popular. Well, I can imagine. I mean, you're you're kind of like the Navy SEALs of smart home technology. I mean, no, <laughs> nothing's getting no. through. You know, I mean, as you said, everything can be hacked, but still, the 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 level I think that you have dedicated Constant Companion to helping to prov- you know provide those protections is really incredible. And I think a lot of other companies don't they don't really do that, right? You don't have that sense of security. We, we have uh, 14 patents on the process. And to the best of my knowledge, we're the only ones working for this mission to secure smart home for people. One, one thing I would add is we, we, because I know there are very talented hackers around the planet, we removed, we removed the prize. We removed what most of them are after. The vast majority of all hacks are for financial gain, for money, to get access to your credit cards or your banks and so forth. So we've eliminated the shopping component on our secure private systems. So you can have all the fun. You can look online, listen to any music you want, search for whatever you want, get all those fun automations. We just took the shopping component with any of your credit card information out. So if you can get through military-grade firewalls and encryption, there's nothing to steal. There's nothing in there. So guess what? Zero hacks, zero penetrations in our last uh, penetration test. With 13 billion attempts to penetrate our fortress, zero penetration. So it's knock on wood. Wow. Wow. That's pretty amazing. And you know, you did. You took the incentive away. It's kind of like I always joke if somebody steals my wallet, go ahead. There's no cash in it. And the credit cards are, you know, kind of almost maxed out. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's not going to get you anywhere. So, Mark, tell us a little bit about we're going into the holiday season. So, a lot of our listeners are thinking about what is a great gift maybe for my parents, my in laws, my grandparents, whatever. Tell us how would they get a system from Constant Companion and and how do they buy it? And what does that look like? Like what's the process that they go through and you help them set it up and everything I know. So take us through that. Sure. Well, we we have a a kit, a system. It comes in a box. It looks just like this. This is a companion smart home system. You can lift it with a couple of fingers. It's not heavy or hard to put together. And we can ship that right to your home. And it's already fully pre-programmed, fully built. It can even come with its own built-in cellular high-speed Wi-Fi that runs on over 200 networks simultaneously. So it has a smart AI-powered engine that will find the best connection at your home. You just plug it in. If you can plug in a toaster, you can plug in our system. Then the speakers are built like this with a little wall mount built right in. So if you can plug in a nightlight, you can plug in Constant Companion. And you're set up in just minutes. And of course, our advisors would be there to help you with any questions on where to place them and how to use them and get started. But there's a quick start guide and we make the the whole process super easy to do. And if someone's interested, 
to get this as a gift, including for yourself, because it's a great gift to get a smart home for Christmas because they're lots of fun and they do a lot of things. You can simply email us at home at constantcompanion.com. You'll get a free catalog and brochure instantly, or you can call us and that'll be in the catalog, the number of how to get a hold of us. And our advisors are very friendly and they're not on commission. So they're not there to sell you anything, what have you. They would love to ask questions and learn what your needs are and they can kind of help guide you on the journey. And whether you get smart home equipment from us or locally at a store or what have you, we're, we're happy to help you think that through and get stuff that's just what you need. So maybe I, I might already have something and you can help integrate that. And I love the fact that you can call and get somebody on the phone. I know a lot of the tech companies now it's just online chat. And for the older, again, for our older audience, sometimes that's, that's not always optimum. So Mark, you know, thank you again. So it's home at constantcompanion.com, correct? That's right. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, you know, Mark, it's just been so great talking to you. And I think, again, this makes such a fantastic gift for the holidays. Is there any problem getting the supplies right now? I know that's big in the news. Uh, You know, are there going to be any delays for people or? Right now we are stocked up for the holidays. Our warehouses are loaded all the way to a 25 foot ceiling. We're loaded with inventory for Christmas, but we have had a record sales year and a record quarter already. So like any other company, if you're looking to get something for Christmas, I would probably try to order a little early just to make sure that we can get it to you in time because they're short on truck drivers and delivery folks these days. And it's probably going to be a busy Christmas season. Right. Well, let's hope so. Well, Mark, again, it's just wonderful to have you on the show and we thank you so much. And for our listeners, again, it's home at constantcompanion.com. Mark, I just want to wish you, you know, happy Thanksgiving, happy holidays to you and yours. Happy holidays to you and to all your, your followers online. Trey, thanks for having me today. Welcome to our Me Time Monday Wellness Hack. For this special Thanksgiving episode, we offer our recipe for gratitude gravy. What is our gratitude gravy recipe? Well, when we think of gravy, we think of a warm, savory sauce that tastes good on anything. Biscuits, potatoes, meats, veggies, noodles, you name it. We also think of family since gravy is typically associated with the Thanksgiving holiday and this flavorful season of coming home. Our gratitude gravy recipe is similar to the gravy you eat. It is made from the simplest of ingredients, your thoughts and emotions that are mixed and enjoyed to provide feelings of comfort and satisfaction that linger for minutes, hours, days, or weeks. Finding gratitude is not about things. It is mostly about people or more precisely, our relationships. Our caregiving relationships are like roads, sometimes long, sometimes bumpy, sometimes wet with tears, sometimes sunny with smiles, but often meandering and confusing with no clear roadmap. Yet we continue to travel this road and learn new things that can bring us joyful memories. In the science of health, we know gratitude is a type of superfood for the soul. Being grateful and practicing gratitude has shown to be our social glue. It keeps us kind, it makes us empathetic and optimistic by amplifying the good in life. It rescues us from toxic feelings and strengthens our bonds with family, friends, and those we love. Studies have shown that gratitude practiced every day for even one minute can lower blood pressure, improve our sleep, 
lessen our aches and pains, and give us the incentive we need to choose healthier behaviors. And the great thing is, gratitude grows over time. Just as the rings of a tree accumulate to tell the tree's age and make it stronger, gratitude grows over time to make your caregiving journey easier and your emotional health stronger. The source of gratitude does not have to be another person. It can be faith, nature, art, a sense of spirituality. You may want to write your gratitude thoughts in a journal or just remind yourself to be thankful for someone or something when you awake or go to sleep. And while gratitude is very personalized to you, if you practice gratefulness daily for four weeks, it continues to provide positive health benefits for the next 12 weeks. On our podcast episode guide page, we bring you the Emmons McCullough Gratitude Scale, a self-test to see how grateful you are. These leading experts in gratitude science offer the following tips to get an attitude of gratitude. Don't just list things or people you're grateful for. Give the details and explain how you feel. Blend gratitude about things such as good health with gratitude for people such as the loved one you care for and the health benefits of things like laughter or reducing loneliness and isolation. Focus on positive feelings and outcomes. Don't allow the negative or frustrating thoughts to intrude on your exercise. And savor surprises. Write about what has brought you joy, not just happy moments, but a joyful life, and especially things you did not plan for or expect. So is there a silver lining even in tough times? We are what we let in and what we give out. That defines us. We cannot control the world, but we can control our reaction to it. Yes, rain will fall, but a rainbow will follow. Make this caregiving journey a gift you give yourself, the gift of gratitude. It will keep you going. We hope you enjoyed this special Thanksgiving episode. Go to caregivingclub.com to subscribe to our podcast and also find helpful resources and links. Thanks for listening. We look forward to having you join us for our next episode. And in the meantime, take care and stay well.